Today I spoke with Teresa Ivansick, and not all people are built equal. Teresa is a fantastic bodybuilder. She competes at the highest level and also has multiple businesses. And we got into a great conversation about mindset, how she preps, how she gets herself there, and many of the things that you have to overcome to achieve anything in life, let alone compete at the highest level like she has for as many years as she has. It's a fantastic podcast. Please check it out. Hello, welcome to the David Watson podcast. And again, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. No, no, I appreciate. And um, one of the reasons that um, I reached out to you uh, initially is actually one I, I'm passionate about bodybuilding, although I don't do bodybuilding myself. I, I've always, right back from the days when I, go, I was a kid in the 70s following people like Frank Zane, you know, obviously Arnold, you know, Lou Frago, and then you go into like the 80s and the 90s. And I've never lost that love, love for the sport. Um, but one of the things increasingly with social media is you see how well the females do and, mm. and the females in the sport, you know, you know, there's people like yourself, Dana Bailey, Nicole Wilkins, you know, but so, and that obviously is, it fascinates me in a subject in itself because I, I just love the sport. Um, but you, are one of the very few that on your social media, actually interact with question and answers, which is how mm -hmm. I actually got to speak to you in the first place. Yeah. So how did that come about for you? I, so I always tell everybody like whenever like, you know, you get into something and you had a goal and then you make it like always remember where you came from, you know? And it's like people like they will gravitate towards, you know, your blueprint to how you did it. And it's the interaction. If it wasn't for, you know, the fans and the people and the support, we wouldn't be having a stage, you know, there would be no one there. There would be no support. So the thing is, is like, I am just, I always stay humble and I always try to answer any questions that I possibly can. You know, some go misunread or they go into those filtered, you know, messages and I try to get back to them as much as I can, but I'm just all about just interacting and, and being me and, you know, helping whoever else I can help. And I just, I just think that that's kind of comes with the territory. It's what we signed up for. Cool. And before we get into the the actual bodybuilding side we, we do need to mention because there's i've been obviously following you for a while and there's harlan's elite fitness harley elite elite customs you've just mm -hmm. started the old school line mm -hmm. you know and i wanted to find out a little bit more about the i've written it down when a handshake your word and respect means something yeah it's something my fiance came up with and he just, it's because it's old school, you know, yeah. and it was just like one handshake means a lot, you know, it meant loyalty, it meant trust, it meant, you know, just friendship, it, it means everything. And then like to be able to have just one handshake mean numerous things is what, you know, we're missing, you know, cause now you could shake a hand and get stabbed in the back within a couple of days, you <laughs> so know, or hours, Yeah, you know, yeah. so it's just, it's bringing like the light to like what we, where our roots were from and really who we are as, as humans, you know, to, to interact and, and be that way with people and be able to trust people, you know, and work together. I mean, so it was all based upon just a handshake. I mean, a lot of uh, the reason why for that was, you know, our original 
gym when we first opened that was literally based upon us meeting somebody who believed in our dreams had a very rough background had the opportunity to progress himself so his theory was always pay it forward so whenever he had given us this opportunity there was really no payback it was just being able to see someone's dream and all he asked at the end of the day was pay it forward see cuz i cuz when i read that originally um and i've seen i think i've heard you on social media talking about that handshake that immediately reminded me of my grandfather who was um originally from ireland and it was the like that whole ethos would be just no i shook his hand i don't need to any no anymore we shook hands that, that that's enough yep. and and i like as, as an individual miss that kind of legacy of what that meant back in the day and, and back in its time and so i was very fascinated um that you kind of use that as a logo and as a, a i'm assuming an ethos in and around the gym yeah i mean and, and i mean look look at it as a whole today how many people literally actually shake hands today <laughs> it's all it's all interaction on social media yeah so it's all hide behind a keyboard and just just type into people and texting people so there's really like no even face-to-face -face conversations so it's really pulling deep into like that old school mentality yeah because no, i agree because it's like on one hand there's that blessing of like like this right now you know you and i are on completely opposite sides of the world and yeah. are able to communicate like this but absolutely but at the same time that because of that people like oh, yeah do you know what I don't always have to honor what i've said i'd do mm -hmm. you know and when um so w what is the clothing company and what what is it now or where are you hoping it goes the, for the clothing company? Yeah. Um, so we, we had made the Harlan's Elite um, Customs. And again, that was our kind of pay it forward. Um, the kid running it uh, really had a passion and a dream for it. But no, again, it was in the same situation we were with the gym. And we built it from ground up again. And it was literally started off in his parents' garage with two heat presses. And nice. since then, it's grown so much. And we have like so many different types of machines. You know, we've got the screen print, the heat press. Um, we have a sublimation machine, which basically just kind of just Xeroxes an image, you know, to a shirt. Um, they have done phenomenal in terms of getting a lot of local business. And our motto with that is small business helping small business grow. Because a lot of the times we, we need to get our names out there. We need to do things, you know, to do that without, you know, breaking the bank. I mean, everything's so expensive. So we don't jack up our costs. We just want to see people wearing our apparel, you know, wearing like their own lines and being able to get their self out there too. So we want to take it to a whole nother level. We have somebody else that's very interested in doing that too, um, along that of helping us expand the gym. Um, they just see our vision and they know where this could, could possibly go. So that, that, I mean, that's a good thing to get into now as well, because you have, you have, uh, have you expanded the gym or started up again? We are um, expanding it. Um, so we've been in business for eight years and it was a very small space um, to begin with, but it was, you know, crawl before you walk and walk before you run, you know, and you, you just didn't know you're open up hometown. We opened the same time planet fitness did, even though we're not the same. Um, but we just outgrew it many, many years ago. And the opportunity rose when another tenant in the uh, plaza that we were located had left. And it almost gained us close to about double the size. And just the opportunity that we have in front of us, you, we just can't pass it up. I mean, we know what we can do, and we have a lot of different things that are coming to it. So we're really excited to get that moving. But that's after my show. <laughs> after you? Yeah, I got to compete first. So I'm going to try to do these first two pro shows 
um, goal is to like in between expand and move and then get ready for the Olympia. <laughs> well, this is the thing though, isn't it? Because, um, and it's, it's one of the things, um, like I said, when I follow you on social media, you're very good at posting up what you do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not just training. It's like, oh, by the yeah. way, behind the scenes, it's this, by the way. And I can remember yeah. one about four weeks ago or something, you said, like, uh, you posted up contracts being signed. And yeah. I don't think people realize just how busy you and your fiance are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard um, to un- make people understand that. Um, and I don't want to. I don't want to make it seem like my life is, is extremely busy, you know, but it's, you know, juggling it, it's balance, you know, being able to figure out how to do it. Because yeah. I'm one person wearing like 20 hats, you know, like, I own or operate a business. I'm expanding a business. We have Harlan's Elite, you know, Customs, which is the t-shirt shop. We also have Harlan's Elite Personal Training. So we do in-house training and online training, plus getting myself ready, you know, for, for prep, you know, and, and any other day life, you know, we even get a chance to do any of our hobbies that we like to do. But it's it's balancing it out, trying not to become overwhelmed, which, you know, does happen more than, than not. But it's it's tough to explain to somebody you know, at the gym, like if you're there, like you're, you're working, you know, and, and you're either in the office for a reason, or then you're on the floor with the client and you really got to try to juggle and keep, keep yourself just in a really positive mode all day long. So along the way, what have you learned that enables that to happen? I think, I mean, it just, a lot of it's just like, just like discipline, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and a vision, you know, like, because if you're not, if you don't have a vision or you don't have a clear path of, of how you want this to unfold, it's never going to happen. You know, and if you don't already see it happening, like if when we walked into this other location and, and I just looked, I was like, this is the gym, you know, I know where this is going to go. You can already see it. So then it's just putting all the pieces together and then just, you know, applying them. But it's, it's basically just like discipline and knowing, knowing what you want out of, out of anything in life. Cause that's, um, like I said, one of the things I always like to do in these podcasts is, when I, especially when I talk to people like yourself, is is trying to help other people understand that there is actually a blueprint that you can follow. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a, a matter of, like you said, discipline and consistency. And you mm-hmm. said something interesting there about when you went to the premises and you're like, no, this is our gym. And if people, and I'll put the links in the uh, description to your website, because there's actually a video of the, it looked like an office space. Mm-hmm. and you can see there's a bulldozer or something and, and actually walls are getting ripped out yeah there we actually on our website we have the initiative um teardown of the location yeah. that we were at now and we did put that up uh for everybody to see because that literally i will tell you right now that was built hands-on all of us all by ourselves i mean i've spackled i've laid floor <laughs> i you know we've had lights i mean everything that was in that gym we did but it made me enjoy it more you know yeah. what i mean and somebody didn't do it for me now this one might be a different story because i don't know if i want to do it again but um <laughs> it was just like it was just showing people like where we came from because it was like we for a year my fiance and i didn't work like we left one of the other facilities that we were taking over and literally just dumped everything we could into this you know building and there's been times you know in the middle of the night where we would have everything torn down and we'd be sitting in the chairs in the dark, you know, wondering if we could keep going, you know, are we going to hit another roadblock, you know, but it was constantly keep doing it. So this new expansion, I want to do the same. I want to document the whole thing. And I kind of almost want to make a blueprint to show people what it takes to actually build a gym. Mm. Because a lot of people think that you just find a building and you throw equipment in. 
there's so much more backbone work that a lot of people don't even understand, which can be applied to any type of business. Well, that's that's what I mean when I, I say like when I, I look at the uh, blueprints, it's 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 just like bodybuilding. It's mm-hmm. I think it's very hard for people that don't follow bodybuilding, not into it. That mm-hmm. like you were saying earlier, you've got two shows coming up and there's some prep, but the planning for that prep goes back. I don't know. When did you start bodybuilding? Was it 17, yeah, so 18 it, years ago? Yeah, it was like 15 years ago, you know, and I touch base on this a lot too. It's just the longevity in the sport. I mean, I've, I don't know how, who else actually has been competing this long. I mean, I might've taken one or two years off in that, that time frame, but I mean, I literally started in 2006, you know, to compete. My first show was literally 2007. And then I just kept, you know, progressing from there. And it's just like, it's the train hasn't stopped. It just keeps getting, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, the goals just kept getting higher and higher and higher. And every time you would make one, it would happen. And it was like, okay, this is insane, you know? So then you keep making more and then they still keep happening. So it can show you that you can do anything that you possibly want. Even though in the beginning of my life, like I didn't have the support, you know, like this actual, the sport was stupid to a lot of people. You know, my gym was dumb to a lot of people. Like, I wasn't going to make any money. I wasn't going to be anything because it wasn't the, the normal standard blueprint, you know, for, you know, the general public. Yeah. Well, because it, it's, it's, uh, it's, I think it's very hard um, for people to understand that when it comes to things like bodybuilding and that sculpting of the body is when they, f- like, when you finish your season, you go into what people like in bodybuilding they call the off season or the bulking phase, is you, you guys are then like, well, that muscle could do with some more definition or I need more shape um, around that quad or that deltoid or I need a different head on the bicep, you know, and it's mm-hmm. the attention to detail is yeah. it's, it's not just like, I mean, the devil is in the detail sort of to quote the phrase, but it's, it's that people like yourself realize that that might be two or three seasons away from mm-hmm. what you want. But at the same yeah. time, you've got to also hold on to what you've got with everything else. And there's yeah. this com- kind of complete, like everyone, you can look at a stage and people say, well, they all look massive to me. Or they, it's like, no, it's much more in depth than that. There's mm-hmm. much more to just looking big or looking lean. It, it's people are actually trying to shape individual muscles. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, when we start, clients a lot of them will say like well i've been training for two years like you know i want to do a show and my we go back and say look hold on when you look at the pictures in your house do you have a foundation first you know you have to build a foundation in order to build the walls in order to hang the pictures which is basically just building the muscle up and then being able to slowly sculpt and then shape so a lot of people don't understand that like you have to have a foundation because if we diet you where you're at now in your head, you're not going to look how you think you should look. And then you may criticize the coach because they ran off too much muscle or they ate off, you know, too much where where technically they didn't. That's literally just all you had under there. It was more baby fat, maybe excess and things like that. But again, you have, this is a sport where it's not like every other sport, like where, you know, when you're in your twenties, you're in your prime. So this, this sport here is when you're in your thirties and up, you're in your prime. You know, so if you can start building sooner, absolutely, you'll have like way more, you know, leadway going in as you get older and grow into the sport. So one of the one of the areas I definitely don't know much about, especially when it comes to actually the men and the female. uh, What are the different weight categories and the different divisions? So they um, 
when we originally started, it was you were small or big. I mean, you had you were a figure, you were bodybuilding. I mean, that was it. And that went on for a few years. And um, once I started going into the bodybuilding and then just, you know, picking up the pace, we came out with all these different divisions. You know, so now we have like bikini, you know, with a little bit of, you know, muscle tone. We have got yeah. the wellness of, you know, the smaller waist, smaller upper body, bigger legs. We have the figure, which has muscle tone pretty much head to toe. Um, then you got the physique that actually just, you know, starts to slowly enhance muscle with great definition. And then you have the bodybuilders that are like just more 3D density, you know, plus the muscle definition and the conditioning. So there's just so many different, you know, levels and options, which I think is great because now everybody can say, oh, you know what? I want to compete. But hey, I guess I got like six different divisions to pick from. Which division are you in currently? I'm in bodybuilding. So when you do amateurs, you know, a lot of the times in bodybuilding, they will go with a lightweight and heavyweight. But once you get into the professional league with the IFBB, uh, it all goes into one class. So it's, 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 you're just either light or you're just, you're, the, your weight's not a consideration as such? No, nothing. In amateurs, yes. In the actual pro leagues, no. Which I think sometimes could hurt you know, a lot of us pros, you know, because like some of us do come in smaller. Some of us don't have the genetics to be that big, nor do we want to go that far. You know, so I think that in, in those, you know, in the pro league, I, I do think that they should introduce more of a, a lightweight, you know, heavyweight type thing. Same thing with like, you know, your figure and your physique. There's a lot of short girls out there. So yeah. if you're short and you're going against somebody that has a, a medium frame or a, or a tall frame, like it just, the illusion just gets thrown off when you're standing beside them. So I feel that there should be, again, the height classes. I don't know why they ever changed once you become pro. It's just all slammed into one. I remember somebody talking about that with Frank Zane many, many years ago, mm -hmm. that they think he would have won a lot more competitions if they'd had height restrictions. Yeah. Or if they'd put him, because he was considered at the time um, to like, or do you, I think he was nicknamed the silhouette or something, that he was considered yeah. to have like the, the, the finest physique in terms of symmetry and balance. But it, mm -hmm. I... I I think he's only about five foot ten or something, or about five foot eleven, and he was often competing against like six foot two, six foot three, yeah. and Lou Frago, who was six six. <clears throat> so no matter yeah. how, how well he turned up, he just looks small. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's you can see it a lot. There's a lot of a lot of different competitors, you know, that are the same way. You know, like I, reading Regan Grimes is one of them. He's a phenomenal athlete. He has like such a great shape, and then it's like. He can win any pro show that he wants. And then it's like once he gets up on stage, you know, with the Olympians, it's the same thing as me. I look now really small, you know, because then you're up against a whole different caliber of, of athletes. So how tall are you then? I'm 5'6". Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. because some of them are like, some of those uh, ladies are coming in uh, much taller than that, aren't they? And you're, you, you and, are big. And weight-wise, I mean, because... I mean, right now I'm still in the 60s. I'm still like 166, which is really crazy because I'm usually like a lot smaller by then. So I'm actually holding on to muscle tissue this time. So it's going to be a different package on stage. But um, a lot of some of these girls are competing in the 180s, you know, and that's like my off season, like, like soft weight. <laughs> but they're competing conditioned on stage at 180. So it's like, oh, crap, you know. But I just the thing is, is with bodybuilding is you bring your best version of yourself, yeah. you know, and what you view as, as a female bodybuilder or a wellness girl, because you're being judged. It's an opinion. Um, mm. Let's just say you've got five judges there this today, you know, and then tomorrow you put five other ones. The outcome's going to probably be different, you know, just because of based upon opinions and things like that. So going into the sport that is a, a judged base, you just be you, you know, and, and bring your actual vision to, to the sport, to the stage, to the limelight and, and enjoy the time that you're doing it.
no i mean that that's i mean i guess it's but it must be difficult in a sense because like i say we were talking about when you're 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 trying to sculpt that body and the phases that you have to go through you know between actually it'd probably be easier to explain if you explain to people the difference between what off season and and on season means okay so the off season if you want to talk when i first started that was just <laughs> eat whatever the hell you wanted gain as much weight as you possibly can and then no concept or rhyme or reason of why you were doing it you were just saying i was having an off season so as we get into it more on a smarter level it's not having an off season where you just eat whatever the heck you want every single day it's still having a balance of your macros you know having control over where your carbohydrates your fats you know, and your proteins are, and it's just having a little bit more of an in plus, you know, to those. And you can still go out, you know, to the restaurants and things like that. It's not like that, that strict, but you just still play smart, you know, and it's, it's just bringing and increasing these levels up because when you go to diet, if you are starting on a diet and your diet's already 1500 calories, how are you going to continuously keep chopping away at calories? You're, you're, you're already dead in the water. So you need to start at a surplus and have things to cut almost every two weeks or so in order to bring, you know, yourself down and into the, to the lean body mass that you need. So how do, how do you manage that? Now it's, it's more in, in more in control. But again, as you get older, like you keep more muscle maturity to it. And that, that's your furnace, you know, so you can get away with having a different couple of cheats or, you know, ice cream here and there. And it's not going to affect you as much as somebody, you know, just starting out because, we have so much, you know, lean body mass already, but like this, this year, it was just, it just increasing, changing different foods up, adding different types of carbohydrates in, you know, um, I did a lot more shakes, which helped the pocketbook because now you're not eating, you know, a, a ton of, you know, expensive protein, you know, so I was doing my Gaspari shakes and it's just bringing, I just took my numbers up so I could take them back down. And how in the 15 years that you've been doing that, how has that evolved and changed? Just smarter, just being smarter. Because like in the very beginning, you know, I switched to bodybuilding in 2010. I got, I went from like 120 to 180 like that. And people didn't know that. I mean, between that mind of like right out of 2008, I was bulimic. And right in 2009 and 2010, I kind of, I got myself out of it and I learned about food. So I think that that was another increase on on why my body took such a jump. But I, I mean, I got out of it, but you know, just cleaning up the, the calories and not being so dumb with, you know, what you're putting in your mouth, watching your condiments, your sugar, you know, sugar, yeah. it, it, it's a, it's a hard thing to kind of burn off. Um, beer, alcohols. I, I always, I like alcohol, yeah. you know, like it's a diuretic to me, but, um, beer has a yeast in it. It's just hard to work off. So it's just switching your poison around so you can still have fun and still have a life. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that makes sense. So does it like, when you're planning, so when is your first show or your next show? I'm doing uh, Indie Pro, which will be like four weeks out on Saturday. And then New York is a week after that. So what, what's the process between now and those four weeks? Just getting tighter, harder, drier, and then just chipping away at the diet and finding exactly which potion that you need. Right now, like training won't really be like anything that's going to be detrimental. It's just train, stimulate the muscle, keep the muscles pumped, you know, and it's nothing can change that way, you yeah. know, in terms of where we're at right now. So it's just basically just eat, sleep, train, you know, and just chip away and figure out what, what levels do we need the diet? Do we need a little more fat? Do we need to pull the carbohydrates down? How's your body responding? You know, the cardio levels, are they at a decent, you know, point and just yeah, eat, sleep, train. 
explain to people what you mean when you say like drier, harder, tighter. So, I mean, I coach a lot of people. So yeah. if like right now I had a couple of check-ins come in this morning and I look at them as a whole and depend on like where they are in terms of like an actual prep. And I try to determine like, okay, so if we are looking a little bit watery at some point, I might pull the carbs down a little bit because carbohydrates in terms in the body act like a sponge. So if they, they, they hold on to the water and they will, they will just look, fill you out. So the second that you remove all the carbohydrates, and this is a crazy thing to even try is like, once you remove them for a couple of days and you go to the gym and if you're not a sweater, you will sweat so bad because the water <laughs> has nowhere to go but out the pores. Yep. So this helps push all the excess water out of the, the skin and gets you to become a little bit drier. And then if you start to go flat, which we don't see that muscle pop or that 3D, then we start adding and pushing in a little bit more carbohydrates after we've deloaded on that, that water. That might explain something because a few years ago when I was a very strict carnival diet eater, just no, for no particular reason other than yeah. I, found, I found it incredibly easy, uh, easy to do. Um, I, I didn't miss carbs or, or anything. But, God, did I sweat in the gym. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's because the water has nowhere to go. Yeah. You know, actually, you just got to think of it as, as it all being a, a sponge, you know, in the body. And then when you get your levels so low, that's where you can find out, like, where's the push? How much do you put in so you don't spill over? And when I say spill over, it means lose your lines. Because yeah. a lot of people, the night before the show, they load up on all these carbohydrates, and then we got some cortisol that comes in that's nobody's friend, especially yeah. in the female you know, world. And then it looks like you've never trained a day in your life on stage. Because like, and then, but, or you'll be after the show and you'll splurge. You'll have all this, you know, you know, a burger, French fries, you know, whatever. And then you'll wake up and you'll look insane the next day. And everybody's like, well, why couldn't I look like that on stage? Well, let's say you ate the burger the night before, but then cortisol came in. So you can't control that. So if you eat the burger, yeah, you're going to look good because the show's over. Nerves are gone, you know? So it, it's very hard to play and say, hey, that worked, but did it. So it's, it's finding out where you can be as an athlete, like what levels you need to be at and keeping your cortisol, your nerves and everything at the ultimate lowest. Yeah. So that's actually, that's something I've never thought about is obviously we associate things like cortisol with stress and how that can affect sleep and stuff. But I've never thought about how that will affect your preparation, especially like 24 hours be beforehand. So yeah. how does that affect um, like all, all of it? What are the effects when it comes to estrogen, testosterone, um, like cortisol, uh, dopamine? I, I suppose they, you know, because people forget that we are actually just chemically driven. And mm -hmm. But it's only when you come to like the, the end of the spectrum where you guys are competing at, where the, the little nuances in your chemical balance can probably be noticed. So yeah. how, how does that affect? We're lean, you know what I mean? And there's really only so many things going in. So, I mean, one small minute issue can cause an explosion, you know, so if you like look your ultimate best, but there's like you're playing on social media or you were you know starting to self-doubt yourself you're going to wake up looking super watery or if you don't sleep, your body, like sleep is everything. You know, if, if I, if I literally will finally get eight to nine hours of sleep, I will wake up two pounds lighter guaranteed every single time. Yeah. But if you don't get into that deep REM sleep and you don't let your body actually physically calm down, you, you still hold on to water. So that's why it's just so persistent on every day being the same day in, day out to make sure you know and understand 
you know, what really isn't working, you know, so if you're adding little things that shouldn't be on the plan, you're never going to figure out like, what's causing that, you know, issue, you know, but the cortisol, I mean, like I said, it can destroy a physique in a matter of seconds. I mean, you could look good in the hotel room and you go backstage and you start looking at your competitors and and your body just starts to push and start to release. And there's, there's nothing you can do about it. There's absolutely nothing you can do about it. No, because I mean, I suppose once you kind of start consciously just starting to worry, you're going to panic, mm-hmm. flight or yep. fight k- kicks in, and yep. you know it, it doesn't matter if you're a Buddhist monk. At that point, there's nothing's going to help because the chemicals have been released. How, how do how, how have you learned to manage it? I think like it's just like again like knowing like going back to that same thing, knowing that like I'm here for me. Yeah. You know, and I'm my own competition. You know, the second that I start to like worry about who I have to go after or who I need to be, that it's over. You know, like I'm more worried about their prep, you know, and what they're doing than my own self. So it's just the satisfaction of looking in the mirror and knowing what you're bringing to the table and you're and you're enjoying it and having fun with it. Like no one's telling you to compete. No one's telling you to do this. Like you're physically there to do it and showcase yourself. So it's just keeping like those levels down and keeping everybody else out of the equation but yourself. So uh, there's kind of two parts because one, how did you learn to do that? And, and I think this is for people listening and, and I'm going to say for like for women particularly, because I think they're the ones that feel the pressure most from being judged on social media. Um, so how did you, how did you learn to do that? And how do you manage you know I mean? Because you said something very important there that actually I'm just doing this for me, which mm-hmm. is very strange not strange that's the wrong way of wording it but going back to something you said earlier you walk on stage for people to judge you yeah (laughs) so it's kind of like on one hand this is all for me but i'm going to be judged on my appearance and i've got to be relaxed about the rejection and that's it's Mm. probably the worst emotion for human beings male or female being publicly rejected yeah. So, so how did I mean, you get? Sorry, I didn't mean to. My apologies. I didn't mean no, to cut you off. No. But I mean, it's like, it's how, yeah. How did you get to a place where you've learned to manage that? Um, because it was like, okay, so I mean, I learned a lot because of the me doing the trying to chase that pro card for ten years, you know, and it was always being rejected, and I was always being rejected like by one point. So it was always like, what else do I possibly have to do in order to get this pro card, you know? And it was a matter, I mean, I switched some judges, uh, or switched, not judges, um, coaches up, and uh, we learned to do things a little bit differently. You know, the diet, I've done, like, keto this time. You know, I tried something with a little bit less of the carbohydrates and then more of more of your fats. But it's just, like, you know, figuring out, like, you know, what you want to do, how you want to do it, and, you know, get to that end goal without, I don't know, like, without just figuring out, like, how... It's your dream, you know, to, to yeah. do this. But it's the courage to have the dream, isn't it? It's because yeah. every we all have a dream, you know. Like, like you were talking about the, you know, the um, the, the gym, the expansion of the gym, yeah. the custom teaching. Everybody has these dreams, and we're, one of the things that all of us learn as you go along, it's without the failures, it's never going to happen. Because, and it no. is very cliche because that's what teaches you. But it's one of the things that we all kind of have to learn to get over is the fear of the failures. And mm-hmm. like I said, it's there's um, the thing that fascinates me, and it's one of the things that I see is very different between the uh, female and 
male bodybuilders is it, it's there is kind of with the men they kind of come out pump iron and they're like yeah come on you know but they do still have an insecurity about their appearance it's that they're not exempt from it mm-hmm. but it's how um like as a as a female competitor and it, and it is for the benefit of everyone else I, I, i'm always trying to get to the bottom of these things I, I just love the psychology of performance is how you take the fear knowing that like as like i said i, I seem to be going around in a uh, like in a circle is because like i'm you're doing this for you and you're doing this to be the best you but i also yeah. want i want to win and i'm also going to be judged yeah I mean, there's a lot of different like yeah, targets that, there, you know, because like after the after my pro way or after my pro card, um, and ten years of like losing by a point, I go into the pro leagues and my pro debut, I get second place, and then I win my next two shows in a pro, in the pro leagues. Yeah. So it was like, why did it take me so long <laughs> pro card? And I'm doing pretty damn good over here. So it was like. You know, got those two two there, made it to like two to three rising phoenixes, already made it to the Olympia, you know, and it's just like, okay, like, you know, you're going to get judged. You know who you're up against. There is a lot of fear there. So when you get to the Olympia for the first time, it's just like, enjoy it. Yeah. You know, it's like not, not saying that you don't like, it's like, there's doubt, you know, like, it's yeah. just, you know, you're not going to do very well the first time. No one goes to the Olympia wins. So it's just having fun and enjoying that, that moment, taking criticism you know, because if you do get judges' feedback, you know, it is good to know, but you can't take it, like, to heart. If, you, if that's what you want to do and you need to fix, you know, the things that they're looking for, then we need to fix it, you know, and then we just adjust it. And that's where going back to a prior conversation with you was, you know, when we're sculpting, like, we don't need to all be training the exact same. So, like, if we already have, like, a good upper body or, you know, shoulders, like, I don't, I only train shoulders once a week because I don't want it to be too over-dominating. So we have to break the, the muscle groups down and fix the pieces that are missing in order to bring the package that you best can. You know, some genetics just won't let you, you know, yeah. do certain things. Calf so we just have Everyone's to favorite. Yeah. 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 <laughs> For people that don't understand, there's a thing in, in bodybuilding especially where if, if you don't genetically have good calves, it's very hard to make them good. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, because, uh, yeah, that, that's interesting. You said something that, there about being able to take the feedback from the judges. as an, And, again, which is like I was saying, the, the thing that I've always loved about bodybuilders is they're always like, oh, right, so that's my feedback. So next year or the next, you know, this is what I have to build up and prep. And it's the, uh, I suppose, the ability to take that feedback and use it as a motivation to move forward. Yeah, it's, um, it's, you have to ask, you know, because otherwise, why are you just going to show up every year if, you know, you're going to get docked the same points all the time? So if there's something that you can fix, I mean, my thing is, is and I've done it, um, every single year I come back, I improve, you know, so there's something, you know, better. You're not just bringing that same package every single year. So whatever, the, it, and it shows that, you know, you, you took the time to ask, they took the time to tell, but then when you come back on stage, they're going to be like, she listened. You know, like, look at that, that physique's changed, you know, so it's, it's applying that they're not wasting their time, you know, trying to help you and you're actually doing something with it. You know, so the next time you arrive on stage, there's a whole new version of you, you know, that you probably didn't even think that was possible. And it's, it's, it's interesting because it, appear, it will sound to people to be counterproductive, uh, counterproductive mm-hmm. that 
the, the way that you get that perfection is actually asking people how you can improve. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's talking to the right people, you know, yeah. and again, it, it, each person's going to have their own, like we talked about, like if the judges switch, are they going to, is somebody else that would have been there tell you something different? You know, so we're never going to know. It's just, you know, who's ever there and whoever is looking for a certain thing and whoever you're being compared to at that day. Like, let's say the competitors all changed and you're up there and there's a few other ones, you know, maybe, maybe your critiques would be a little bit different. I mean, we would never fully know until like you see exactly who you're standing beside. And that's at the Olympia, you know, where you got the, the absolute top best physiques in the world, you know, and that's where I think it would be just so much fun to have each person at least be able to stand up there with the <laughs> top five. Yeah. Just to see what it looked like, you know, like against that, that caliber of athlete. How was it the first time you walked out onto the Olympia stage? That was, um, that was interesting. I mean, it was very nerve wracking. Um, unfortunately it was right at 2020, like yeah. heat of COVID. <laughs> so it really wasn't that same experience. Um, cause I didn't do the, um, athlete meet and greet. Like yeah. there wasn't a lot of people that were down there. So I just went up in my room, but it was, it didn't really hit me. That stage was huge. You know, I mean, it was absolutely huge, but it didn't hit me until I actually like turned around and I saw the O in front of my face, you know, and then it's almost like you just went into waterworks because you're like, <laughs> I made, like I'm here. Yeah. Like, this is something totally incredible that I, that I dreamed about like 14 years ago, you know, 13 years ago in a magazine saying, you know, I'm going to own a gym. I'm going to be a trainer. I'm going to be a professional athlete. I'm going to be standing on the Olympia stage. Like, how many people actually get to, to say that? Like I did it. Yeah. So it was like, you know, am I complete? <clears throat> no. Um, I think like the most I really want to try to achieve is getting that top five, you know, at the Olympia, because then you get to stand there, you know, you get to be in the pictures and that, that not saying that it would be okay for me, but in knowing where my physique could go, you know, between, you know, top three or five, is where I originally want to want to go. Everybody yeah. wants to win, but you know the girl Andrea, who's there now. I mean, she's just a, a specimen. She's a, a beautiful female bodybuilder who's put together head to toe. Because, yeah, that's again. I, you've said something then that I'd, I'd never thought about. Is what does happen when you like you say you turn see the big O and you're like, shit, I'm I'm doing it. I'm here. Yeah. And like, yeah. how do you control that emotion? Yeah, it's. <laughs> Because it's, you're up there and you're just like, you, you, your mind's going because you're in the middle of a routine or you're in the middle of posing and whatnot. And then you turn around, you've got this huge audience, you know, and then in the back of your brain, you know that this is live streamed and everybody's watching it and it's being commentated. Like, yeah. so there's so much things going on in your brain for like literally like two minutes that you're up there, you know? So it's just, it's taking a deep breath and like having fun. Like, if you would have seen us backstage, like, coming out, the girls were just, oh, my God, they're amazing. We were goofing off. We were laughing. Yeah. It was keeping everybody, you know, calm. It was what it was. We're all there for the same reason. And we just literally just had the best time we ever could have there. So just going slightly sideways, um, mm -hmm. and, and I only know this because um, I, I spent a brief time training with a, a lady that was an amateur bodybuilder. Um, how do you select your outfit from your shoes? Because... So, because a big yeah. part is a huge part. Yeah, I um, I've, I've, they always want darker colors. You know, you don't want anything like too bright and too overwhelming. And I don't like a lot of the lines because it's very distracting. You know, so I am always like, everybody has a favorite color. 
you know, yeah. so, and everybody tries to go outside their comfort zone and find a different color, you know, that works for them. But I think like each year, the girl that I work with for BB custom suits, I pick colors and I let her go. I let her, I tell her what my ideas are. And um, that's kind of like how we get the suits made. But um, I've tried pretty much every color you could possibly think of, obviously, in 15 years. Um, but I honestly, I like the bedazzled suits, you yeah. know, like, you know, bodybuilding, like we do have to have that plain posing suit in the morning, which is okay, you know, but I mean, I wouldn't see any problem either with wearing a regular suit, you know, as well with, with all the crystals and things on it. But yeah, it's just finding, you know, your colors, you know, what color schemes do you want? And then putting them together to have that type of design that you're going to feel comfortable, you know, on stage with and very, very proud to wear. So what are the stages of judging then? So how many times do you come back onto the stage? Or in how many outfits? Like for any type of show, amateur or pros, you have a prejudge, which is usually in the morning. Um, and that's where you're pretty much basically all judged. You know, that's where the points really get deterred and things like that, especially in an amateur. The night show is usually more of like an entertainment thing. You know, certain things can get fixed, but I've never really seen it play much on the scorecards. Um, but then in the pro leagues, you know, the score for the routine does count, you know, then if you do come back at night and, it, and you do look better, it does count. So you always have that, that pre prejudge and then that, that night show. So you have two different times that you'll be out on stage um, in terms of the actual show, but you could be out there numerous times, depending on what call out you get, you know? So if there's a group of, let's just say 10 girls and you're, you could be in the first call outs, which you want, because that's definitely your top five right there. Then they'll bring the second half out, which would be five through 10 or six through 10. And that would be your second call out. Okay. And the next thing, um, I wanted to try and just find out a little bit more about is the pose inside of it. Cause I don't think people, pe people, you know, you, you see the classic poses that everyone does and they're always still pictures. And mm -hmm. I, I don't people, if they don't watch bodybuilding shows, they don't realize that it's a sequence of like poses and flexing and, how much like practice that people have to put into that how t and it's it's almost well it is just as technical as a dance routine could it and mm -hmm. it is effectively a dance routine but i don't think people actually understand that when you have to hold those poses for that long because the still picture makes it look like you're just flexing like you're doing a high school photograph and it's just yeah. like no 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 so how like just like the technical side of posing because like how long do you have to hold those poses for? Like what is your typical routine? So I, um, so when you do like, you have a 60 second, you know, routine that you'll come out with, whether you're physique and bodybuilding, um, that showcases basically just yourself. And it's supposed to be all just mandatory poses. You know, they don't want anything fancy, you know, routine wise. So it's kind of get on, get off. Now I always try to hold like one, 1,000 to 1,000, you know, enough to get in, flex the picture Make sure you are posed and flex from head to toe, smile, and enough time for pictures, you know, and then, then you turn. When you get into your routine part of it, that gets a little tricky, you know, where I was talking to Bill Dobbins, and he was mentioning Frank Zane, and he had said that, you know, he when he did his routines, he would constantly, like, hold those poses longer, and he would have the most pictures out of all athletes because they were able to snap these photos, you know? So... Today, like after we're done talking this afternoon, I'm actually going to Slipper Rock University again, and we're going to go into the dance studio, and we're going to, the routine's done. We're just going to do a complete polish up. Um, I've won Best Poser Awards, you know, the last, you know, three pro shows that I've been at. So it's how do you beat 
the last routine that you did, you know, because it was, you know, very emotional and like, you know, you, you want to always outdo yourself. So I were working with this girl, uh, Lindsay Viatori, who's a professional dancer for the Pittsburgh, you know, university and slippery rock. And this whole, uh, routine is like contemporary art. It's a lot of very, very flowy movements and dancing. So it, it was something that kind of took me out of my comfort zone, but it is like opera. Yeah. So it's telling, complete story and it's it's involving the audience the way that i have this one put together this year that's nice that's nice because just if if people want to know how hard it is to pose could you Mm -hmm. are you able to just like verbally give an example of what they should try to do honestly like every time i tell people like well i'll train them okay and then i'm saying like hey bring your posing suit we're gonna pose after they will sweat so (laughs) bad and they'll be like this is worse than the workout because like it's muscle stimulation and it's you're squeezing the muscle to finally get control over them. But if you don't practice, you're never going to have it on stage. You know, the muscles aren't going to be there. They're not going to be as crisp and as dense because you have no muscle control to them. But posing is extremely hard. Breathing is probably one of the hardest parts of it. You know, I was doing a, a FaceTime with my coach yesterday in the gym and I was just like, he was making me hold him and I like just... <laughs> I'm breathing like I'm like I need to practice even more, but it, it's just because when you are flexing, like I said, you got to dig into the floor to make sure the legs are flexed. You got to make sure the upper body's flexed at all times. You have to breathe out to make sure your abdominal wall is extremely, you know, thin, and you know the abs are popping. And then you also have to smile. <laughs> so so it is a very, very hard, hard, hard thing to do. And I recommend everybody just make sure they practice, practice, practice. Because you literally have to, regardless of what pose you're doing you have to be flexed from head to toe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like yep. from fingertips. Yeah. Yeah. But it's yeah. from fingertips all the way down to your toes. And then, like you mm-hmm. said, um, did you go, um, do you do much in the way of like stomach vacuums and stuff for, I have like, since I started working with, uh, when I worked with John Meadows, you know, a couple years or last year, the great John Meadows. Uh, yeah. Uh, for women's physique. Um, he had me doing vacuums every morning. Um, so I still try to apply those two there because it is a nice, you know, breathing mechanism, you do get yeah. way more control over the abs. So whenever you do need to do the abdominal pose, you'll be able to control them yeah. way more. And, and sadly, um, John is no longer with us, but that's actually how I discovered you was on his YouTube channel. Yeah. I think yeah. you were doing uh, a leg day and after you, he was making you, I think, do walking lunges across some grass. At the pond. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the one. <laughs> and, and the guy, um, for people that don't know who um, John Meadows is, he's also known as the Mountain Dog, um, a phenomenal coach, um, well-renowned throughout the industry. And what, what some of the best videos I've ever seen him do was on lat activation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's so knowledgeable. And, you know, we did a lot of those different, um, they were like intro videos, you know, just to explain one exercise, you know, yeah. and done, you know, and then he would put, you know, other exercises and groups and workouts on there. Um, I am working with Mary Meadows, you know, to continue the mountain dog diet dot com yeah. website and keep some programs up there, keep some informative videos up there. Um, all of his programs are still available and they are amazing. I mean, they are fully descripted. They will list they list everything and they even link youtube links to his videos so you actually if you're looking at it you're like i don't know what he's talking about there's links to almost every single exercise he has so you know you're doing it right i, I mean that was genius on his part one of the things i found phenomenal um about john is it is not just his level of knowledge um 
but it, it, if you watch a lot of his videos all the way back, the variety of athletes he works with mm-hmm. and how much they all like, shit, I, I didn't know that either. Um, yeah. Charles Glass always reminds me it's the same. He just seems to be this work, like just goblet of just yeah. like never-ending knowledge of, of bodybuilding. But John, I'd never seen a difference in who he was talking to, if, if you want me. When, when, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent about John, but he, whenever I see, no matter what video it was or what social media post it was, it didn't seem to matter if you were a skinny guy that never trained or you were Mr. Olympia. He seemed to treat everybody just the yeah. same and was yeah. just decent to everybody. Yeah, he, um, he, that, that was him, you know, and whenever I reached out to him the one night and asked to work with him and stuff, it was, uh, I was shocked that I was actually talking to him, you know, because of <laughs> who he was and like, he was giving me the time of day. He really wanted to work with me. And, you know, I mentioned it before we traveled to go see him. We were only three hours apart, you know, and then we started doing like, I think like video footage is pretty much every two weeks you know, we tried to, to get together, but it was like the first time I went over to him and he was like, Hey, what are you doing late? Like after this, you know, I know you're going home. Do you just want to follow me to my house? And I'm just like, this is yeah. insane. This is John freaking Meadows. And yeah. I'm like behind him, following him to his house. But that's how he was. You know, we came in, we walked into his house and he was like, he disappeared. I don't even know where he went. And he's like, Hey, I'm over here. And I'm like, this is your house. I have my shoes on. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. just like, this is, I, I've never been here before, you know, but that he was just so welcoming. And like you said, it didn't matter what your goal was. It didn't matter even if you were a bodybuilder, like he was going to help you regardless or sit and listen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And had amazing calf muscles, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Genetically definitely blessed in the calf muscles. Yes. Um, yes. So, yeah, I, I'm getting very conscious of your time now and I don't want to take up to, uh, too much of it. You're fine. You're fine. Thank you. Is, um, so when you, going back to to you and your online coaching and coaching students, how are you helping them through all of the, the sort of like the progress they need to make and, and the way that to get them to look like, because it's not really, it's very much a sport that's not about short-term goals. They kind of come much later when you're much closer to your long-term goals, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Like, like like a new client kind of thing? Well, either. Do you know what I mean? Because it's, it's, it's important for people that, you know, one, one of the things I hope when people listen to this is they understand, like, you know, like the pro, like the progress you, you need to make. But how, like, one, on how achievable it is, but you really need to have long-term goals of, of mm-hmm. where you want to be and what you're trying to achieve. I think if you find a right coach, you know, and there's been a lot of people out there that I... I'm reviewing people's diets because they just don't feel that it was right. I mean, what I'm seeing is not good. It's a cookie cutter diet. They're not involved in their clients. They don't even care. You know, so I don't take a lot of people. I take a very small bracket of people. I cap it because I want the attention. I want friendship. I want goals. I want, you know, I want everything good for them. So you have to find someone that you can intermix with that's going to be on the same page as you and support the goals that you're trying to do. And then you have to find, get them on the playing field to be very, you know, uh, truthful with you, you know, week to week, you know, I don't care if you cheated, tell me because I don't want to fix something that in my head, I think you did or didn't do. And then we're off, you know, so it's just that, that trust and that bond between the clients, you know, and a lot of them are online. I mean, I've gotten three, I've done three girls, um, that had gotten their first, they won their first show together. We, together. 
And then we, we turned pro in the second show, you know, and it, it was just like, boom, boom, boom. But it was all online. But yeah. you have to pay attention to details. You have to pull the photos <laughs> up from week to week. You know, I even pull photos up from the very first time to the end, you know, and then if they are having self doubt by any, any means, I'll take the time and I'll put the photos together and be like, what, what don't you see? You know, so yeah. you try to just keep them, you know, understanding, Hey, you're doing this. Like, you know, you're, we're going to do this. And, and I guess being honest with each other, mm-hmm. you know, right the diet out, they check in weekly ask questions, you know, that's what we, what we're there for as a coach. Don't wait till the weekend if it's something important. You know, a lot of my girls, they have my cell phone number, they have an email address, but it's just, it's trust, honesty, not making them eat something they don't want to eat. Cause I see that a million times also, yeah. um, just because that's your normal, typical protocol. Um, you should be able to be, uh, with a coach that isn't a cookie cutter that doesn't put everybody on a keto diet because everybody's not the same. You know, you have to be able to adjust to what that person's body is actually going to do and listen to them. You know, a lot of people, I think as a coach just get so bullheaded and they're like, Nope, it's my way or no way. But no, you have to your clients in order to get the right goal. There's a fascinating book I uh, listened to recently called why, why we eat and then in bracket too much. I can't remember who it's by. And that's for people who want to understand how your body responds to different foods, insulin, cortisol, but mm-hmm. also your family genetics going back as much as four to six generations. Is, oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a, a great book to understand why certain diets might not actually work for you, but mm-hmm. work well for somebody else. And, it's, yeah. and he, the, the way that he uh, breaks it down, how your body is reacting, and that sometimes, uh, which a lot of people understand, is you think you're successfully dieting well, and then your body starts craving food. Mm-hmm. And it craves a certain type of food. And then you go almost like it can make you almost mad and you start thinking, doubting your own willpower. Yep. And, and he goes into the fact of, and it goes back to like the biomechanic, the biochemicals in the body where your subconscious is just like, no, I'm having that food. You're either mm-hmm. just going to willingly go to the supermarket and get it for me, or I will make you crazy that you have to mm-hmm. go and get it. And by the time you get to that point, it's the body, the subconscious and the body has decided you're also going to eat much more of it than they need you to because you yeah. try to starve me of it. Yep. Um, and listening to that book, I was just like, damn, now I yep. understand so many ways that I react to certain foods and why I blow up on one set of food, but don't blow up on another. Yeah. I mean, and, and going back to like the coaching thing too, is finding somebody that's going to be like supportive. You know what I mean? Be encouraging, you know, like keep them on, you know, that, that same page, keep them up, uplifted, you know, and just saying something positive to them, you know, on a daily basis. You know, it's not just like a check-in. It's just keep, keep them up, keep the hype, you know, because a lot of times that's, you know, we're, we're, we're dead. Like we have no carbs, we're tired, we're fussy, you know, we take things out on each other, but yeah. you know, and the coolest part is, you know, I, I still compete too. I'm an active competitor. So it's not like I'm a coach that's never, ever done it. I've done it and I'm going through it myself. So how you're feeling is how I'm feeling. So I can, you know, correlate a lot better than somebody that maybe, you know, has more book experience, you know, in terms of coaching, but has never done it to themselves. Mm. So it makes a big difference that way. And, and what, what, um, what do you and your students get right? What do you do right? What was that? Well, you know, so, so one of the things I'm always very fond of asking questions with people is because everyone, if I say to somebody, oh, what, what, what are 10 things that people get wrong? They'll always be like, they'll list their 10. So I always ask people, what, what do you do right? What do I do right? 
yeah. <laughs> follow a plan, you know, follow, follow yeah. my, my goals, follow my dreams, you know, like don't veer off, don't get distracted, you know, and that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, like if you, you're tunnel vision, if you can be tunnel vision, like anything is possible. Absolutely. Anything is possible. That's the, that's pretty much what I would say. What I do, right. You just tunnel vision, you have dreams, you keep your circle, you know, like night small with this, with the same like-minded people, you know, no negativity, <laughs> constant positivity every day. You know, right before our podcast, you know, I was getting ready this morning. I listen to YouTubes every yeah. single morning and they're all the motivational ones. And it's just, it's whether I hear them over and over again, a lot of them are repeated, but you know, someday maybe my, my day is different where I needed to hear that. So I get a lot of my insight through that. But if you can start your day on a positive note, then your day is going to be great. It really is. And of course, one of the things I'm definitely going to have to ask you about, what, what is your exercise routine? How, how do you break it down? So I do more of like a push pull and a leg. Um, legs have always been my so-called like they're just they're the lacking body part, um, but they're they're my genetics. I mean, a lot of people will say I don't train them hard. If they only knew how hard I train <laughs> my legs, um, I'm making myself sick. But they're just not. They are what they are. I, I, that's what I have. That's my genes. That's my genetics, and I'm not willing to cross any line to make them any different than what they are to keep my balance and femininity in the sport. And I do a more quad focus day. I do more of a hamstring glute day. And then I do a push day, which is chest, tries and shoulders. And then I'll do two back days, uh, which, it, which is a, like a pull, um, back and biceps. One will be a little bit moderately heavy and one will be more of a pump. Okay. So, so, um, how, how do you, cause, uh, people who are like, not familiar with this will, will, won't really understand that how so many different bodybuilders have different methods of whether it's push pull whether they break them down into different days do you do five second reps 10 second reps do you lift heavy do you lift light and just do multiple reps do you, do you have like a, a one that naturally sits well for you so i think like i actually just had this conversation with my fiance because there's so much out there so you know, this much, person's yeah. like hypertension this person's this this person's you know positive negative so it's, Train. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I just, I just freaking train. As you're stimulating the muscle, you know, and it's like then I just like because of the knowledge that I do have, I you know, I might do two sets one way, then I might do the other two sets a different way. I might yeah. throw some holds, I might throw some drop sets, I might throw some supersets in. So I just like I have fun with it. If you make it like homework where you got to read something and constantly check something off, and then someone says, "Oh, you need to do ten reps there." Well, why did you do ten? You had fifteen. You know, so you're limiting yourself by getting a program and saying, you know, like you, you only need to do three sets of 10, you know, so it, it's having fun with it. You know, now any kind of beginning program. Yes, I recommend doing that just so you get your form right. Don't make the body completely sore. And then you can start getting into more of those fancy fundamental stuffs. But I mean, other than that, it's just stimulate the body, you know, squeeze the muscle, pull with the muscle and you will get results regardless. It's just concentrate on that, that form not that momentum as much as most of these people are doing that. That's actually um, one of the things that I, I find the most, the biggest difference between, and, and, I, and I don't want to shit on anybody because I'm not that, that's not what my podcasts are about. But when I look at the difference between male bodybuilders and female bodybuilders, females focus on form males focused on shifting weight. You say it all the time. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I mean, you know, that, that's not exclusive to both parties, but I don't think I've ever seen an example where women focus on shifting weight. 
They yeah. were all all like in the beginning phases, you know, we're like, Oh, I'm a female bodybuilder. And you just, that's all you think. Like, you just have to like push and push and push and push. But like, if I would look back at some of my YouTube videos from like when I first started, I was like, if you would actually slow that shit down, that would have been really heavy. (laughs) You you wouldn't have been able to move it, you know? So you just look at things that way. And it's like, get down there and like pause and flex it and then squeeze with the muscle, you know, or pull with the muscle and you just feel it so much different. And you'll get such a different activation to like everything that you're trying to do. Do you think, um, like moving forward, are you going to try and grow your YouTube channel more? Yeah, I, um, that's something that I really want to get more involved in. Um, I had, I've received that plaque, you know, the first plaque from you for the hundred and I think 36,000 that I had on there. Um, it's just, it's been on, you know, the back burner because of everything, but there's something that I'm looking on doing is like, I really want to get a podcast going, you know, once things calm down, once the gym's open, you know, and the the fitness industry kind of calms down. Once we get 36 hours in a day and not 24. Yes. Yes. That too. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, that's something that I really, I am meeting a guy in a couple weeks. That's a videographer. I'm going to try to, you know, do a collaboration with him. So I'm hoping that we'll be able to get some footage and travel back and forth, you know, to do more. Cause it's, it's not that I don't have the time to do it. It's just like, I would need somebody else to do it in terms yeah. of like the actual editing and putting it all up there and just having control over my page, you know, because it's, it takes me hours to like edit and put it together, you know, just because I, I don't, ha- I know how to do it, but I just don't have the time to do it. I, I, I was literally talking to somebody recently. They got in touch with me about my podcast cause it, it's just mm-hmm. me and I do them by yeah. zoom. And they were like, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And I was like, I have thought about all of that. Yep. <laughs> but if yep. I want this to work alongside my full-time job, alongside my coaching business, mm-hmm. alongside my own social media projects, I have yeah. to do this by Zoom and I have to yeah. just edit it the way it goes out and yeah. just rely on the conversation and the guests being what brings it yeah. to the market because there's only yeah. so much I can do. Mm-hmm. And, and there's but, only- it, but it sells itself though. Like why have all the extra bells and whistles when you're still getting the same conversation? Exactly. It really, it, that to me, like how you're doing it is, is perfectly fine how you do it. That's how most people, honestly, every time I do a podcast, it's on Zoom. Yeah. And, and this is it. And I, I think more and more it's, it's going to move in, in, in that direction for, for, for everybody. But it, one of the things as well that is just interesting for people that I want them to reflect on that when they're listening to this is mm-hmm. for all of the conversations we've had about everything you're doing presently, you're also still planning new projects, podcasts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To do, to do, <laughs> you know youtube yeah. training videos yeah. you know youtube I'm in itself a book, you're writing it's, a, it's, yeah yeah it, it started i'm like 25 pages deep but <laughs> it's coming but that you know what i mean i think it's important to people to hear that because when when people ask like what's the secret to success sometimes the secret is just work your ass off yeah and honestly god it, you couldn't have said it any better is because there's no satisfaction. If you're a successful person, you're always going to look to improve or do something better and more. And, you know, the thing, the main question, I think a lot of the times in the bodybuilding industry is what's after bodybuilding, you know, but I mean, we have successful businesses. I already set myself up that way. So if you blueprint it, so there is a life after bodybuilding and you're not struggling to find a different mm. job or whatnot. And it's, it's always adding different avenues, you know, like the podcast, the YouTubes, the book, you know, I have a documentary that, you know, uh, we're supposed to be filming this year, actually, for, you know, um, the upcoming shows and going into the Olympia. It's just got picked up by, actually, I think Sony, Sony Productions. Oh, nice. Very, 
in it. And they're looking to put it on HBO Max and Netflix. Okay, cool. Um, I've got three more questions for you because I am very conscious of the time. And I'd, what are your favorite exercises and what are your worst? I I would say I like shoulders. I like sh- like. I, I knew that. I knew that. You, yeah. You, yeah. You, you, like, probably one of my favorite yeah. go-to. It hits everything. Um, probably one of my worst is I'm walking lunges. I hate walking lunges. Like, and they're just every, anything that's like extremely taxing. Like I have no problem like doing a leg press or doing that type of stuff, but it's just the actual like movement itself, you know, doing the actual walking lunges that those are hard. Yeah. I actually walking lunges is one of my favorite exercises. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, for some reason, I, I don't know why I, I like, um, well, it depends on what my level of fitness is, and at the moment it's pretty yeah. poor. Um, but when I'm like, I can feel my fitness going, and, and I'm getting to where I want to be and what I enjoy. Um, I like the exercises that make me want to puke. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know I mean, I mean? It's, it's, like back in the day, I used to be like a, an aerobic bunny. Like yeah. I was, I had the runners high. I mean, I would run every single day. Like it, it was just like nonstop, you know. And then. I would do all that different type of agility work, you know, and I think that that's also where a lot of bodybuilders lack, which I talk about doing all the time. It's like adding agility work, you know, to the fundamental part of just straight bodybuilding, because I think that the mobility part of it and the different types of like fast twitch, slow twitch muscle group combined would create a really crazy poison for a good physique. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I think one of the most underrated, um, and, and people sometimes treat me as um, sort of exercises and stuff. But I think one of the most underrated principles in any any lifting is actually a solid workout workout based on just not because like, I see people hit the treadmill and do some walking or something. It's just like mm-hmm. you've done no mobility, you've done no actual cognitive activation. Am I working these muscles? You know, and like just like I know it might be a back day, but but get your glutes engaged, get everything fired up so that cognitively you're ready to start on the right platform. And when people do that, they they rarely get injured. Oh yeah. I mean, knock on wood. Yeah. (laughs) I have not been injured in like 15 years. You know what I mean? I mean, I I have a bad back. I have an L5 through S1 fracture. I'm back in the 70 year old, but I'm being able to do what I'm doing, how I'm doing it because I'm smart. Yeah. That's literally it. Okay. So my next question, which is the most random one that I ask everybody you can it's completely up to you any time any place anywhere in the world where would you be what vehicle would you be driving and what music would you be listening to oh my goodness <laughs> um i would probably say we've always talked about going to hawaii yep. so i'd probably say we'd be in hawaii and i would probably say car wise I still go after the Jeep that I'm waiting for that I've ordered. Yeah. Um, and music, any of my motivational stuff. Yeah. You know, like I have a lot of upbeat groups that I listen to on a daily basis and they just get you fired up, you know, every single yeah. day. So I say that would be that would be it. And my next Hawaii, one my Rubicon with motivation. <laughs> that'll do. And my next one, because it's a handy, could it cross over to you? Same principle, anytime, any place, any when. What what era, what gym, and who are your training partners? Like any any era? Entirely up to you. 
I would say like my gym, of course, and my training partners, I would definitely say like my fiance, Jeff and John Meadows. Yep. I would definitely put those in. And then what was the third one? Uh, any, any gym, any what era. So you can have people from other eras if you want. Oh, and we'll uh, also add in what are you, what, what are you training? I would say probably, I, I would say now. Yeah. I mean, because the knowledge that I know now and, and just all the information and stuff that's out there now, like I would literally say like literally within this time frame, exactly with those people just at my gym. And what are you training? Um, legs. We'll do legs. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's brilliant. And I will put all the links in the descriptions. Um, but where, where can people find you? Um, so my Instagram is tivancic underscore IFBB pro. I'm on treesivancic.com, uh, treesivancic on the YouTube channel and Facebook treesivancic. And actually I just thought of something because you said that another very popular question on your Instagram. How do you say your name? Ivancic. Ivancic. It's I van and sick. Ivancic. Yep. yep. Perfect. You got it. Thank you very much. I really have appreciated your time and enjoyed this. Thank you so much for having me. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Teresa. So much was discussed. We actually carried on talking for a little bit afterwards. There's probably a, there's so much more we could explore. But please do check her out on social media. Do look out for the book. Look out for the documentary. Check her out on YouTube. And I will make sure all of the links to everything to do with Teresa, the business, the social media, is in the description. And as always... We both would appreciate your support in the podcast. Please do like, comment, subscribe. It's always, always appreciated. Thank you.